This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the 1500 ESPN Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Minnesota Vikings, the NFL, football, yeah, football. Welcome to Purple Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar here, along with former NFL quarterback Sage Rosenfels. Uh, Sage, you uh, feeling festive these days as we go into the final days of uh, the regular season? I am. I am looking forward to the next few weeks of my life. I got uh, kid stuff going on. Got a little family coming in town. My folks and my sister coming from Iowa City. Uh, then going to be up in Minneapolis for a little bit, then down to Iowa State's bowl game in San Antonio, and then back home, and then with my kids out to Los Angeles for the Rose Bowl uh, for about five days in L.A. And then we'll be back here uh, January 6th, so I got a couple busy weeks coming up, really looking forward to it. So that has to be one of the nice parts of not being in the NFL anymore. I imagine these guys don't really get much of a holiday at all, right? Yeah, your your life was, you know, everything was sort of around football in a way. And uh, usually I feel like we got, you know, Thanksgiving and, and Christmas Day day off and then coaches, is, you know, at the end of the season, you're not practicing usually nearly as physical at, at that time of the year anyway. Uh, and, they, you know, sometimes it take a half day or something like that. But, you know, yeah, you're playing on Christmas Day and you're playing on New Year's Eve Day and, and you know, missing a lot of holidays where people are, I'm in hotel room in Buffalo, New York, mm-hmm. and it's, it's New it's New Year's. We got game tomorrow, right? And then that that stuff happens in your career. And it's one nice thing I, I've gotten to enjoy my falls, my, the fall season, a lot more, uh, uh, you know, than my playing days. You know, being outdoors, seeing the the leaves change, uh, you know, walking my dog, things like that. It's uh, that's been a nice aspect of you know not being so busy in the fall. Yeah, and really just your dog days of summer are not dog days for you anymore, where it was like your summer ends in the, at the end of July as opposed to where everyone else's summer ends, which is kind of in like mid-September. So um, let, let's talk a little more about the offense. I, I had a chance to look through the tape here, and I, I thought two things, Sage. One, that your initial feeling on getting Kirk Cousins under center was – exactly right on his numbers under center were fantastic he went eight for nine passing under center Um, but there was another part of this too and that's that the Miami Dolphins played very poorly I think even worse than I thought like on Stefan Diggs's touchdown 
it, it's a play action. It's a nice play. But the cornerback, who isn't even involved in the play if it's a run to the left, takes three steps down, and then Diggs just walks right by him. So how much do you think it was them doing the right things and executing on offense, and how much was their opponent did not have a very good defense or a very good day at U.S. Bank Stadium on Sunday? Yeah, so you know you could say Kevin Stefanski is just an absolute genius, and they scored 41 points. <coughs> Excuse me, and you know, and in his first, you know, in his first appearance. Or you could also look at it and go, man, it was they were getting runs of seven, eight, uh, you know, six, four, twelve, bounce things, bouncing for twenty-five. It's it's you know, Mark Trustman once said, it's easy to call run plays, it's hard to call pass plays, and I think that holds true. And when you can run the football. That sets up all that play action and the bootleg stuff. And, and it was, it was, I, I, that was strange to see in an NFL game. I yeah, really hadn't seen that in a while where a team really just dominated for the entire first quarter to do whatever they wanted to. I mean, it looked like my, it, it sort of reminded me of, I believe it was at Cincinnati last year. Mm-hmm. Yep. It just seemed like they had quit in yep. that second half. That's what it seemed like almost in the first quarter. Just nice runs, boom, boom, here and there. And, and, uh, you know, not sort of all out effort or whatever you might want to call it, but, you know, they played better as the game went on. They weren't a highly ranked defense going into it. Uh, you know, you're sort of expecting that type of game plan and you were probably expecting good results, but I was not expecting runs of nine and 15 and, and 25, whatever to start off the ball game. So Mike Zimmer said, and he was trying to like bite his tongue on criticizing the Miami defense, you know, him being a, defensive guy um, but he was talking about how they ran the same play 10 different times in that game and it succeeded most of the time and that, that has to be the outside zone runs because it, it, when they were playing the wide defensive ends it seemed like they would run the outside zone and then cook would just cut up into a massive hole each time and and he's got great vision and feel and he knows that that's there but i i was surprised that the dolphins made no adjustment to that whatsoever and they just kept doing it through the whole game but the outside zone sage I mean, this is what Pat Shermer wanted to run with Delvin Cook, and it seemed Filippo got away from that. It looks to me like that's just perfect for him. You want a guy like Delvin Cook, in my opinion. You want him to be going, you know, sort of a um, Terrell Davis style in a little bit, right? Sort of straight-ahead runner, but extreme burst mm-hmm. and ex- sort of explosion sort of through the hole. But he can make that one cut and go. Uh, and he can, you know, he can be that type of guy. I would love to see him... Uh, that old, you know, Mike Shanahan one cut, uh, you know, outside zone offense. And, and he does a really good job at it. Cause when he makes the one, if he makes four or five cuts, usually that's not a great thing. It's not what he does as well. But man, one cut and go and shoot through the hole. Uh, he's got that explosiveness. So yeah, it, it did seem like, you know, they were running the types of plays that fit the backs. You know, CJ Ham was involved, uh, a lot more. So. Uh, it, it was definitely a different offense than it was for the first uh, three quarters of the season. Now, with Filippo, it seemed like the game plan changed a ton from week to week. And so you would see things that worked and then not see them again the next week. And I, and I think you and I would both go, uh, where did that go? You know, where did some of the screens to Stefan Diggs go that they used against the Eagles and the Rams? And those just sort of disappeared. How much does a game plan or should a game plan change from week to week? So will they go into this one thinking the same thing? Going to come out, run those outside zones, and then play action off of that and go from there? Is it now going to be this is what we do well and we're going to keep doing it? Or do you think that we'll see a lot different now that they're playing a a very different style of defense in Detroit? 
Well, I, I think, you know, the, the whole thing about running the football in this style of football, which isn't pretty, but it minimizes mistakes, uh, it may, minimizes issues, it's sort of good versus everything, you know, as long as you can run the football. If you, if you can't stop the run, there's not really an adjustment that you can make because you can always, uh, if you've got that type of offense line and running back, you can sort of run versus every almost every type of defense. And the ones that do get more challenging, then you've got great one-on-one matchups on the outside, and the game just comes down to we're going to run the ball. If you're going to adjust to stop the run by bringing down safety, we'll just beat you one-on-one on the outside with simple comebacks and, and curl routes and things like that because Adam Thielen and, and uh, uh, Stephon Diggs, they're going to win that one-on-one -on -one matchup. So if you can run the ball, it really does open up everything. The cliche is legitimate. And uh, if the Vikings can do that, you know, that's going to be their style for success going the rest, for the rest of the season. So you and I were talking a little bit before this. I look at the big win against the Dolphins as sort of your typical setup for disappointment here against Detroit. And I have very little respect for Detroit. I think their head coach is kind of a clown show. I don't think the team wants to play for them very much. They just lost to Buffalo. But it reminded me, Sage, of this scenario in 2016 where they went down to Jacksonville, got a big win, Zimmer had the eye patch and all that, and we thought, oh, they'll come back up here, they'll beat Indianapolis, who's bad, and then they'll just go on to the playoffs. And instead, they laid an egg against Indianapolis. So is this, is, is it like a trap situation? Maybe not technically a trap game, but a situation where you could see them sort of coming down from this big 41-point explosion, everything's fixed, everything's good, and then losing focus against Detroit? I don't think the Vikings uh, are blind to the fact that the team has weaknesses. You don't think the players are sitting around and going, like, I wonder what we should do more of and what's our best style. Yeah. You know, and also where our weaknesses are. And if those get exposed, whether it's an offensive lineman or a quarterback or whoever, you know, we have issues. And so they understand what's going on here. Uh, and they've got a feel for, you know, what, you know, what they ha sort of have to do, you know, to be successful. So, uh, you know, we, we will see how they you know, can run the box. But I, I don't see this game as a trap game because I think the Vikings are in the spot of it's, it's must win. I think this is a playoff game. I think, I think this, if they lose this game, it's done. And, uh, you know, the Bears are going to have to play in week 17. Uh, they're going to have to play hard. They want to want to get that by, I believe. So that's going to be a legitimate game. So I think this is going to be a legit. They have to win this game. If they don't, I think the season's done. Did you all always look at playoff scenarios and stuff? When did that start? Or, or do guys just not really look at it? When I was young, I feel like I didn't look at it as much. Just sort of like we have to win this game no matter what. There's mm -hmm. all these scenarios. But like we, either way, you always sort of have to win that game. Right. And then. If somehow you lose the game and you still get the playoffs, you know, be shocked by that and happy by that. But I you know, always expect to win, to try to win the football games, not overthink it. And, uh, so there was a couple of really funky seasons where I, we missed the playoffs by just, you know, the last game of the year. We needed somebody else to, you know, win and, and, you know, they were getting beat by, you know, by 30 points or something as we're getting on the plane. There are a couple of bummer flights home from like week 17 losses, mm -hmm. hoping another team is going to lose. Uh, and it doesn't work out, and now you're not going to make the playoffs, and that's when you sort of find out. So, yeah, that happened a couple of times in my career as well. So we're, this is a little bit weird, this situation that the Vikings are in, because I think a lot of us, including me, 
expected that the Rams would beat the Eagles and the Eagles would kind of be out of it. And then the only team that could really do damage is Washington. And they're playing uh, Josh Johnson, who, by the way, welcome to the club, Josh Johnson. Yeah. Wouldn't you say he's a journeyman now? I mean, he's got his yeah. shining moment. Got a shiny moment, uh, and it's almost the like Kurt, uh, Kurt Warner, you know, gross, you know, bag. He was out. He was out of the game for a while. Hadn't thrown a pass in seven years since 2011 in, in the NFL game, and uh, and had a shiny moment. Nice, nice, uh, nice work by him. He had been in the NFL since 2009 and bounced around to almost every team in the NFL without ever getting a win, and then finally gets a win over the Jacksonville Jaguars to keep his team in the race. So good for you, Josh Johnson. Uh, but you know, with the Eagles, Carson Wentz out, and you think, okay, well, that's the end of that. Nick Foles isn't going to do it again, but then Nick Foles did it again. Is there something to that guy? I mean, is it, is it like a, like, like a, I don't know, like an aura that Nick Foles has around him that he can't be beat? I mean, what, what is it about I... Nick Foles? He seems to play just sort of so relaxed mm -hmm. to me, you know, not stressed. He doesn't seem like he's tensed up. He plays loose. Um, and it's almost feels like a, an internal confidence that, um, I don't know. He just, he, and when he plays, it's like a, it's like a good shooter when he's on, he's on and, and, and he's been, uh, playing well again, you know, in really big games and must win games. Uh, against really good opponents. And so, yeah, he made that type of run last year. I don't want to get into the conversation, and I've seen it a little bit this week, is what happens if, you know, he wins the next five games, you know? Yeah, is he when, the quarterback he next the year? Quarterback, right? When, I mean, right. So, uh, yeah, so anyway, but yeah, he he's uh, he's like one of those, you know, guys that can, he's John Starks. He can fill it up with 38, but he can also go two of 18. Mm. Don't remind me, 94 NBA Finals, John Starks shooting, what was it, like three for 23 in the game seven against Houston? I was a, Shooter's going to shoot, though. Shooter's got to shoot. I know. But I was a little kid with Knicks jerseys, and I wanted so badly for them to beat Houston in that championship uh, while Michael Jordan was away trying to play baseball, and it didn't happen. So there was a, there was a very sad child in me every time John Starks is brought up because I, I was a big fan. Uh, now, let me tell you, Sage. We're talking about these sort of like scenarios, though, with Nick Foles and what could happen. There was a report this week that Mike Shanahan was almost the head coach of Denver and that Kirk Cousins nearly followed Shanahan to Denver this offseason, which would have likely left the Vikings with Case Keenum and Teddy Bridgewater. And I think that that last summer of quarterbacks where everyone landed will be something that we talk about for a really, really long time. And I, I can't help but think about what would have happened or where we would be standing at right now if it had been Teddy, if it had been Case, and if Kirk Cousins had ended up with Denver. Like, would they be in the playoffs right now because they would have had better quarterback play? Would the Vikings be looking at this year's draft for quarterbacks? I, I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, you know, I, I think Kirk Cousins is going to get a shot next year, and I think Viking fans are probably will be rooting for him wherever he ends up. So. Uh, you know, I, I'm sure learning behind Drew Brees for you know, this this past year has been great for him. And I'm talking about a guy who's who's not only does it the right way and a total pro uh, in in every possible you know way he you know does his business and the way he works and trains and his regimen uh, and discipline is unbelievable and and obviously knowledge of the game. So yeah, I, Teddy's going to be starting quarterback somewhere next year, and uh, I'm sure Viking fans wouldn't mind having him back. 
Did you like him? Were you a fan of him from the beginning? Yeah, I liked how he he's a guy that made his offensive line better. Mm-hmm. And if you as a quarterback can make your offensive line better, man, that solves a lot of issues. Uh, you know, you get um, that stat we talked about with me and my you know lack of sat, sat, you know, getting sacked uh, uh, last week. Linemen love that. Not only do they love that, but like it's important. You know, second seventeen suck. You take a sack right. on first down. You're digging yourself out of a hole. So you just having some awareness and getting rid of the football and, and running out of the pocket and escaping and throwing it away. That is huge, uh, you know, for an offense. And Teddy did a great, does a great job of that. He's got a pretty quick release and he, you know, makes the offensive line better. Uh, and, you know, does a lot of other things as well. So, you know, didn't seem like the moment was ever too big for him. Uh, you know, is, I, I think that, uh, he's going to be a star in the NFL again and, and he, he makes the team, he makes the guys around him better. So I was thinking about this and I've asked a couple of players about the it factor when it comes to quarterbacks. Cause you kind of hear that around draft time and things like that. And it's talked about with, with certain quarterbacks. And, and one thing that keeps coming up is exactly what you're saying of sort of making teammates better and also not letting the moment get sort of the best of you. And, now, Kirk Cousins wouldn't be here and get paid this much if he didn't have some percentage of it factor. But I also think it's the biggest criticism that you hear and and is probably fair that there is there is panic in Kirk Cousins. I mean, is there anything that they can do to mitigate some of that or to help him? Because this is a guy who has a brain coach and all that different sort of stuff. But I, I, I just wonder if it's all like too much. You know, I, I, I don't know. There's, there's just something with his personality that makes you wonder if he can win big games down the stretch I, and in the playoffs. I So I think what we're talking about here is instinct. Okay. I think we're talking about instinct. How much instinct does Kirk Cousins have? I mean, you know, spatial awareness around him. Some guys are better than others. And, you know, instinct is, you know, part anticipation. But, you know, in, in, in a game, in a sport with a lot of moving parts, uh, having instinct is really, really important, you know. Um, so, or is he just like, you know, super disciplined, um, or, or, or whatever. I mean, you, you got to find his strengths. You got to mi- minimize those weaknesses. He does do things. He operated perfectly the other night. That mm-hmm. was great. Right. He runs some bootlegs. Let's go over those stats, by the way, of the under center versus shotgun. Yes. Uh, let me pull them up here. Under center. He was eight for nine, 135 yards and a touchdown. When he was in the shotgun, 5 for 12, 91 yards, touchdown, and a pick. And of the 91 yards, 40 of it is on the Aldrich Robinson wide-open touchdown. So let's take that one out. What was what was the rest of it when he was in shotgun? The rest of it without that 40-yard touchdown is 4 for 11 with 51 yards. And a touchdown, I believe. No, no, no. No touchdown. Just the Aldrich Robinson touchdown. was. The oh, yeah, one. there we go. Yeah, there that was go. the one so, on the shotgun. Yeah, so if you take so, that out, I mean, it's 4 for 11, 51 yards. Right. So, you know, let's 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 keep that stat going the next couple of weeks here and, and, you know, see what it is and what the results were. And and, you know, I just think that the style that was in the football game, again, running the football uh, helps every quarterback. And they, this is why they've been saying that for years. Uh, but, you know, I bet you this style is going to be more like this play action, bootleg, little quick sprint out, get the ball out of your hands. Don't haul into the football. Uh, and you know, we'll punt if we have to. And, uh, and you know, they ran the ball well in that game. He d- runs the bootlegs well. Uh, you know, he did it a lot, uh, you know, early in his career in Washington. The nice thing about bootlegs is you are out of the pocket 
and you're not uh, you know amongst all the garbage and the trash and somebody knocking the ball out of your hands for mm-hmm. the most part. And you know you usually you can usually see uh, you know where the mistakes lie. You know you can see that you can see what's out in front of the throws a lot of times on these on these naked bullets. You have a little bit extra time to take that extra step to find the next window. You know it's good versus zone defense things like that. So uh, you know I think this this bootleg game could be a really you know, good aspect of it and, and and he it's hard to make to really screw up a bootleg worst scenario usually you're just throwing the ball away and you move on no different than a you know first down and 10 a you know run for zero yards now did you see any of the kansas city and los angeles chargers game uh maybe last last week two weeks ago Yes, I watched a lot of that game. So Philip Rivers was making throws before guys even came out of their breaks. And it just is sort of like mind bending to go back and watch on tape when you see that a guy isn't isn't looking, he's not open, and then here comes the ball, and yet he throws him into an open space. I just I don't see a lot of that from Cousins. Is that, is that just because Rivers is is really special? Uh, Philip Rivers, in a lot of ways, I sort of think about his game uh it sounds i think dan marino might be the greatest like passer mm-hmm. just straight up thrower of all time rogers is, is probably up there in some of the stuff he's done over the years but marino could really really throw it mm-hmm. philip rivers can really throw it too and he moves around the pocket so well and he's so strong and he can just flick it out there sometimes not have a big wind up he's such a strong guy and he's got great anticipation, mm-hmm. great feel, anticipation, great feet that goes with the arm. He doesn't miss throws all that often and moves around the pocket well. And, and yeah, he really, he's always had a good, you know, sort of throwing relationship with his, with his, you know, with his tight ends and gates and his receivers over the years. He's always, you know, made his, made the guys around him better, mm-hmm. made the guys around him better. Philip Rivers definitely has always done that. So I've, I've always had this theory about basketball players and quarterbacks where it, with basketball, it's you, you're, you don't have a helmet on. You're out there. Everyone can see all of your emotions, everything that's on your face, your body language, your personality. It like comes out on the court. Who you are is who you are on the court. And that's probably not the case with every like strong safety or whatever. But with quarterbacks, Everything that you are, like every facial expression, every conversation, it's all on TV or on tape or wherever that you can see it. And I feel like the way a guy plays the game is also kind of like his personality in a lot of ways. And with Rivers, he seems like he's just, he's got that fire to him. He's got that competitive and he's willing to gamble on a throw now and then kind of a lot, actually. Because that's kind of who he is. I, I don't know if you, you if you agree with that. Yeah, that you know that well, that makes complete sense. I grew up a basketball player. I've always said you can tell a lot about an athlete and really about a person about how they play basketball. Yeah, totally. You know whether totally. they're not whether they're a jerk, whether they're good at sharing the ball, setting picks for other people, chucker. Uh, you know, work working together. You know, are they lazy getting back on defense? You can just tell a lot about a person the way they play basketball, and you can tell a lot about an athlete. Uh, about how they play basketball, and that is definitely a thing. I would think that if if Philip Rivers was a good high school basketball player, I bet he was a tough competitor. You know, probably deed up, played physical, probably could shoot, had great awareness, probably a really good passer. And I'm sure he was a, he was a pain in the neck. You know, uh, would you think Kirk Cousins would be that type of you know competitor? Uh, you know, type of I guess basketball player. I guess what I'm, what I'm trying to say. You know, I don't know. I think that's basketball is a great way to see somebody's personality and the way they compete and and the way the way they move athletically. 
I am trying to figure out if Philip Rivers was a good basketball player, looking at his uh, Wikipedia, but I can't find anything about his basketball prowess, but totally feel like he would be that that guy who was who was playing the tough D and was probably fouling you like all game and you're trying to get a call and he's just getting away with it. He's he's that kind of guy. Um, well, I mean, the McCown's really good at high school basketball players. I, I think the uh, the younger one, Luke, can do could do like a 360, like in the uh, when the guys would go play basketball, whatever. He had crazy leaps uh, and uh, was a great great athlete. And there's yeah, a lot of guys were a lot of quarterbacks. But as you say, we're going back to you know with basketball. Basketball shows a lot of the athleticism and. And a lot of times that carries over to being a quarterback. So what is it about Kirk's personality? I mean, I, I, I've brought up a bunch of times that, you know, I mean, throwing teammates under the bus and things like that. And I was reading you the quote before we went on what he said about Kyle Rudolph not blocking. There, There is just something that is, is kind of missing there from some of the other quarterbacks. Or like he, he just doesn't have a typical sort of alpha dog quarterback type of attitude or mentality that he presents. And it's... I. I feel like he's just a hard guy to figure out. Well, I think for me, I'm just very much on the outside. I've only met Kurt once or twice, and and he was really nice, and and uh, you know, chatted for just a you know, couple of minutes or whatever, uh, but never you know really spent time with him. So you know, I don't know him that well. Uh, you know, in the in, uh, the guys to ask her, you know, probably the guys in the locker room with him. Those guys would be the ones who knew the guys that are in, in meetings with him all the time. You know, they go out to dinner uh, with the couples and things like that. Uh, you know, those guys would, you know, so I don't really go off too much of what is said always at press conferences or whatever, but you know, I sort of always go off of, if, if he, you know, being likable uh, is a really important part about playing quarterback. And, you know, if I said my only couple of times around Kirk, I thought he was a really nice guy. Yeah, that's what's hard to figure out because, you know, maybe you see with all sorts of people, maybe just a sort of disposition toward the media or whatever it is, and it gives off a different look. And Well, Eli, like Eli Manning, uh, you know, a lot of ways, he is super born with his press conferences, mm-hmm. you know, never says anything interesting. But in reality, he's seriously sarcastic all the time. Hmm. Uh, he's a total smartass and uh, he's a pretty likable teammate to, you know, to be around. So, you know, some guys put up, sometimes put off a little different persona in the media because it's sort of like business versus their actual, you know, real personality. Mm-hmm. And on this podcast, a uh, former teammate of Marshawn Lynch has told great stories about why Lynch was one of his favorite teammates of all time. And, you know, to the media, he's the uh, I just got to be here so I don't get fined guy. So um, before we get to our journeyman quarterback of the week, Sage, what's your feeling on this on this game? Take care of business. Go to Detroit, pound them into the ground, and then we'll see what happens week 17 or what? Yeah, no, I think you got. I, I this is a playoff game, in my opinion. Um, I don't know where all the stats are. If they lose, and they could still beat the Bears, and they, I don't even, I don't care. This is a playoff game, and I think you take that same approach. Try not try to minimize those dropbacks for Cousins. Uh, I liked what they did last week defensively. We don't always talk about defense so much on this uh, pod, but I liked uh, Blitz and Anthony Barr. We won't even get get into the fact he just made the Pro Bowl. But I like him blitzing and using his athleticism, trying to time up mm-hmm. snap pounds, trying to take a running back one-on-one. Sometimes you just time it up and you just hit the guard before he's ready and you push him back and get a sack. Uh, I, I like what they were doing with him last week. I think you were aggressive uh, and try to get to Matt Stafford and, and uh, you know make him get rid of the football. They don't have the weapons. You know, when they got rid of uh, 
uh, the kid from Notre Dame. I'm having the blunt. Golden Tate. Mm-hmm. When they got rid of him, uh, you know, they they you know the fewer weapons they had before. So I say attack them and sort of take the game to them, and we're going to grind this thing out and get ugly. And, and over time, I think the Vikings just have a much better roster, uh, and, and will win this football game. I, I think that. Uh, what you're saying about Anthony Barr is exactly right. And even he has told us a couple times that he would rather be going forward than backwards. So uh, he really enjoys uh, blitzing the passer. And I, I feel like that's been something that's been underutilized for his whole career. Uh, they've always had great defenses with him. But uh, if you're talking about one extra element of his game that's underused, uh, that's probably it. Though I noticed that they have lined him up on the defensive line more often these last two games than they ever have before. Which we, yeah. which we might see more of that. So, so Anthony Barr, by the way, he's just a really he is a really good athlete, very mm-hmm. athletic. You want guys like that to be, you know, chasing and knowing exactly where they're going. This is their objective. And there's other guys that are more diagnostic. They're trying mm-hmm. to diagnose everything. Those are the guys you want on coverage. They see a shell coming. They're reading. Uh, you know, they they see the concept that you're. You know, as you see a see a shell across coming linebackers sometimes can help out and step up on that guy or Mm -hmm. they can step up and then run back because they know there's somebody probably going over the middle uh in some sort of triangle that you're trying to make now these guys get it very instinctual you know luke keekley was like zach thomas man was incredibly instinctual Mm -hmm. in the running game but some guys athletically boom you want them running forward and using athleticism and, and bars that i think that's his strength i have very much come around on paying anthony Barr. Like, I, I think in the offseason, I felt like, well, you know, the price he might demand, it's going to make things pretty tough. But you would almost rather see them make moves in other places because I, I think especially if he's rushing the passer this much, he's key to keeping this defense as good as it is. Would you have rather have uh, Anthony Barr or Xavier Rhodes? Ooh, probably Rhodes, but would I rather have him than Trey Wayans? I think I would rather have him. Hmm. Because Wayans is the one who's going to be on his fifth year option next That's, year, and then I think this is an off season conversation. But I think this is an off season conversation uh, about the you know when Mike Hughes recovering from his injury, do yeah. they keep basically three first round corners, or do you got to let one go? You know, yeah, it definitely is. I just thought it was really interesting that he's uh, Barr has stepped up lately and sort of changed the conversation there. But um, okay, so you had a special request for journeyman and quarterback of the week, and this is one that Vikings fans will definitely remember it is Mike McMahon. Now, I've got his Wikipedia up, Sage, and it mentions the 2001 Senior Bowl. Would you happen to know anything about the 2001 Senior Bowl and Mike McMahon? So, yeah, my first uh, my first um, time I met Mike McMahon at the Senior Bowl, uh, I had gotten invited uh, near the end of the season, I believe. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe it was mid-season I got invited to the Senior Bowl. And uh, I, I think it was like Marquise Triasasopo got hurt in the Rose Bowl, and so he didn't want to play or something. So anyway, they had Mike McMahon, this kid from Rutgers, and and uh, I said I didn't really know much about him. Uh, incredible athlete, mm-hmm. uh, super chiseled, fast, really athletic. I think he was like the you know other than Vic, the fastest guy in our draft. Ran like a four five seven. Uh, had a strong arm got drafted by the Eagles, I believe, in the fifth round. Not the Eagles, the, the Lions, I believe, in the fifth round. But he was sort of like the – if the NFL journeyman uh, quarterback club had somebody that was like, you're, you're going to the Jersey Shore, <laughs> uh, 
That's Mike McMahon. <laughs> that's unusual for a journeyman, wouldn't you say? Well, he he's he was different. He was uh, he, you know most guys weren't uh, weren't exactly like McMahon, but yeah. Anyway, heck of an athlete and uh, and and a strong arm, and he had a couple of really good games. I, I recall over his career, even like early in his, in his rookie year, played fairly well. Skating game or something like that through a late touchdown pass to you know, sort of bring the team back and and uh, yeah interesting guy Mike McMahon so at the combine he our shirts were all sort of too big back then everything was tight fitting with these <laughs> yes, cotton yes. combine t-shirts with big numbers on them mine was like two sizes too big for me <laughs> he cut his down <laughs> like he he had it you know he had it uh, tied in the back and everything was tight and cut up and sleeves and That's great you know the whole thing no one else did that he was the <laughs> only one that did that and again the jersey short thing was uh it was something else so let me just run through some uh, mike mcmahon facts before we wrap up the game you're referring to december 16th he beat the vikings in which he threw for 241 yards and also ran for 74. That was a 27 to 24 victory for the Lions over the Vikings. And then his journey went very journeyman like. I mean, he went to Philadelphia and there was Coy Detmer was there at that time. We've talked about Coy before. Uh, McMahon was released when they signed Jeff Garcia, who's like a sort of, I'd put him under like the legendary journeyman type of quarterbacks. Yeah. He did sign a two-year contract with the Vikings, but never really played for the Vikings. He was cut after having a 23 passer rating in the preseason. And then. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Why do you think they signed him? Because he had had that big game against them, right? Came from Philadelphia. Yeah. Right. And then Brad Brad Childress. Right. (laughs) There's always, always the, the the connection. There isn't a second stint here, but there are some stints with the CFL. No, but the but here's what I want to talk about. Here's what I want to talk about. Yes, he played in the CFL mm-hmm. for a little bit, couple it looks like a year. Um, then signed with the California Redwoods of the the UFL in 2009, yes. and played for the Virginia Virginia Destroyers 2011 and 2012. Okay, then signed with a Swedish team. Upsala 86ers, as as one uh, does, in March of 2013, and in June 1st, 2013, in the season opener against Karlstad Crusaders, <laughs> McMahon suffered injuries to several ligaments of his knee, oh, that's and later ruled out for the season, having taken only two snaps for his team. I had no idea there was a Swedish league. Journeyman quarterback, yes, I, overseas I want, version. I want to know. I want to know some of these stories. I, know. What? I don't even know what this, I didn't know there was a Swedish team. Now this is, there's a couple of great things mixed in here that an injury to Michael Bishop, remember Michael Bishop made him the starting quarterback of the Montreal Alouettes. Michael Bishop was the guy from Kansas state with the gigantic arm. Remember him? So the nice, the nice thing is a guy like Mike McMahon will come up in a conversation with say Brooks Bollinger. Yes. Or Tavares Jackson when I run to them or something like that. They ran to Brooks a few weeks ago. We had dinner. Mike McMahon came up in the conversation. Because you just wow. start talking about guys you played with and coaches. Yeah. And, you know, you're just sort of catching up or whatever. And, and then he, he'll he have a Mike McMahon story. And I probably had a Mike McMahon story. Well, I hope Mike McMahon is doing well now. Because it sounds like his career ended in Sweden. 
after suffering those injuries. So uh, it does not say what he's up to these days. Usually there's something like, well, he owns a car dealership now or something, you know, but uh, I, I, I don't know. Maybe he refer uh, returned to Wexford, Pennsylvania, which is where he was from. So, all right. Well, congratulations to Mike McMahon, our journeyman quarterback of the week. Sage, you and I will get together after the Vikings and Detroit Lions game next Monday, and, and we'll talk then. Sounds good. And thank you all for listening, as always, to the Purple Podcast. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone.